back to the coven. I'm your host, Shweta Sundarajan, and I am the legendary Wicked Witch of the Soundwaves. Today, for another edition of our Women's History Month series, we have a special guest joining me today. So... Hi, I'm Lizzie Wynn. I am a junior acting major with two minors. My minors are strategic communications and film and screenwriting, and I'm really excited to be here today and talk. Welcome to the show. So, Lizzie, what's been bubbling in your cauldron? What have you been into recently? Like hobbies or like interests and projects and things. general like general what's what's popping in your life um well I finished my show for the semester because as a, a performance major we are cast in one show every semester or not but like usually we are um and I finished my show in uh, I can't remember anymore it was like a, a month or two ago I can't remember days anymore but um that was nice because it was the first show of the whole semester so I'm glad I got it out of the way Yay. but I am like the president of a club too so that has been a big part of my my life uh it's called artists for inclusivity it's a more uh theater focus because it's like part of the theater organizations but it counts as like an organization that both day and anyone can be in it so that's been really exciting well speaking of inclusivity and all of that uh the topic that we're going to be talking about on this episode today is asian american women represented in media and all of these stereotypes that surround asian female actresses in the media which honestly isn't so great right so recently um America has just been plagued with this huge wave of anti-Asian sentiment. Uh, we've been hearing about a lot of hate crimes occurring on people of Asian descent. And a lot of this is because of the pandemic. And a lot of people are attributing the coronavirus coming to America on Asian people since the virus did originate in China. And it's just, it's, it's, not, it's not right obviously like you should not be attacking asian americans for something that's not of their fault and the thing is people like people don't discriminate it's just like any like a any asian american has an attack whether they are of chinese descent whether they are of korean descent and so on and so forth right and it's become a problem there um recently in atlanta eight women were shot and killed and it's it sparked this conversation about uh asian americans like in the country like a lot of the xenophobia that's in our country and specifically in the media right because the media has a huge part to play in how asian people are viewed um specifically asian women so um i did you know how do you how do you feel about these like this rise uh in hate crimes well, I am disappointed, but I'm not surprised. I feel like I've always known that there is a certain, like, otherness surrounding being an Asian or Asian American in America, period. Like, that has always been something I've been deeply aware of ever since I can remember, like, as a kid, that was always something I was very insecure about because I was almost always the only Asian in the room. So, I mean, I'm not surprised because I've gotten comments before, like in just living in the Midwest, I've gotten comments from strangers like walking by me before. And also in conversations, I've gotten like microaggressions or like things that people say that they don't mean to be like kind of racist but then it ends up sounding it and it ends up feeling it so it's just like really it's really upsetting to see but I'm I'm not surprised that it's happening I just it's just even worse to like see the video footage and hear the reports and details of it you I know? know I I saw a report of an elderly Asian man getting violently beaten and just seeing those photos and just seeing those accounts it's like completely unprovoked Right. Because what it, what tends to happen is like despite Asian Americans being in America for like for a while, like since what, like the 1800s, basically, mm -hmm. 
they are still seen as outsiders. And I say this with air quotes, which you can't see because we're on a podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, but like foreign. But as, yeah, it's still see it like there's they're still seen as foreign and, and quote exotic. And I hate that word as someone who's uh, Indian American. Mm-hmm. I've I've all, all I feel like I've also been seen as like exotic, like India's this exotic place, you know, just jungles and like princes, you know, all, mm. all of this and like spices, the land of spices. I've been called spices see so many times oh no just ooh, <laughs> oh ooh. not that <laughs> not that nope it's it's not great so i totally uh understand that whole microaggression and being the only indian in a oh, lot yeah. of my classes like here at ball state um just in school in general like yeah i've been like the only indian person people have been like oh what tribe are you from and i'm like oh no i'm like i'm like no 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 wrong that is incorrect i'm like wrong indian i like i it was also second grade so i don't like i don't blame them but then i was also like uh geographically incorrect yeah like that's the job of like parents and siblings and teachers to correct that behavior there's a lack of miseducation um just general awareness too um i don't know uh do you know any people who have been victims of hate crimes like do you have any personal connections with anyone um luckily and i say that loosely because that just feels weird to say in this context but i don't know anyone personally who's been attacked like physically in that way but i have heard like from family members and family friends that they've gotten like comments like kind of insinuating and also I mean I've experienced like looks at least like maybe that's just me being insecure but I'm I'm not gonna put it past people in Muncie and or in the Midwest to like give me a weird look when they see me out in public and I'm the only Asian one there yeah especially like during this time where a lot of Asian Americans are kind of being seen as like seen weirdly because of like the COVID pandemic Mm -hmm. you know um I know I I feel like they've been seen as like oh you brought it over right. you know like it's your fault that it's in america which that's not right that's not 1000 percent correct <laughs> yeah no like that's you can't you can't just blame one like a one group race. of people yeah just for something that like it originated in china but i feel like it's getting extrapolated to all asian americans it absolutely is. and may i ask like um where is your like my family. Yeah, I, my family is originally from Vietnam, but okay. I was born in Indiana. I was born in South okay. Bend, Indiana. So um, I am like a first generation college student. So my parents, this is like new for them and their first language is Vietnamese. So this has also been pretty difficult to have those conversations mm-hmm. with them because I feel like they have like a different understanding. Like generationally, it's been pretty pretty difficult and obvious that like the older generation and not all of them but a majority of them and even the statistics showed online that the older generations of and I can only speak for Vietnamese uh, um, Americans and them but like in Asian Americans like they just don't see things the same way and that's because of their history that's because of how they were raised so it's like yeah it's it's hard it's different I understand. It's I and I hate asking that question because people are like, "But where the are you where really, are you really, really from?" from? Question, yes. not the where are you from. Pause. No, like where are you really yeah. from? Yes, that is the bane of my existence. I know. So I appreciated that you didn't word it like yeah, that. And I, I was like, I was like thinking in my head. I was like, oh god, I, like the question came to mind, and I was like, how am I gonna re? Because people have asked that to me. Because I'm technically I'm an immigrant, but I grew up in America, so mm-hmm. I I considered myself American. Yeah um absolutely but people are like but where are you really from and i'm like st louis yeah it is no the but worst question because it's so much like it, like sometimes it's like well well intended and i get it like people want to know like where your, your your ancestry is from but then they word it like where are you because it insinuates from. that you're not american exactly it's like no i grew up in the midwest too i was eating corn and like going through the cornfields too yeah like i was doing the same stuff like i sound like you i dress like you exactly i, I love burgers i love hot dogs vegetarian because i'm vegetarian but like me too hey um but you know like i 
inherently I see myself as American, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like with what's happening in our nation with the anti-Asian sentiment is that it's kind of alienating a lot of Asian Americans, making them feel that like, well, are like, are we really American? Like it's, we all share the American experience. Absolutely. And like, like I said, I mentioned this earlier, I've always felt out of place I've always felt like I stick out in like a negative in a negative way like not in a good way but it just and then COVID just like made it so much more like I've been really trying to mend my relationship with my culture like for the longest time when I was growing up I just wished I was like it's awful to say but I wish I was white you know like I wish I was like everyone else because I was always the only one and people were always asking me how to say my last name and people were like where are you from can you speak in your language and I was always like oh I hate feeling like this I totally agree with you i I'm in the same boat as you are, you know, because like, again, people are like, oh, like people would comment about my skin because I'm a little bit dark skin. People would be like, oh, you said you have like such beautiful skin. And then Mm. because you're so tanned. And I'm like, no, no, like, I no, that's just how that's just that's just how I came out. Like, you know, Um, yeah, I I totally understand. And it's like you you try to become one with like with American and like America culture. But then it's just like a snap. And you like you feel alienated, like all all the hard work that you've done is just gone in a snap, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I feel like part of that part of that alienization and honestly, like the exotic fetishization of Asian women specifically is because of the media. Absolutely. And I want to jump in real quick of like kind of the history of the fetishization of Asian women in America. Let's so talk about it. Let's let's dive right in. Um, so back in good old 1875, when things mm-hmm. were great and totally simple, I say that with the utmost sarcasm. Um, so the U.S. had basically passed the Page Act of 1875, which ultimately banned the importation of Asian women who were feared to be engaging in prostitution. And I hate that phrase of like importation those are not my words those are according to the internet according to history.com um but like importation like first of all asian women are not commodities right mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of been this thing since like since asian americans started immigrating to america like they were already kind of seen as uh not like not human not people like just more so as products and it was i think a lot that had to do with the starting of the fetishization of asian women was due to imperialism because uh like all of these films and artwork came after these you like u.s led wars in asian countries um you know like the vietnam war mm-hmm. um you know, uh, World War Two, where a lot of American soldiers were stationed in Asian countries. And yeah. like during that time, there's a lot of, like, again, in those countries, there's prostitution because people had to make a living. Um, yeah. And uh, obviously, like that narrative, you know, of that uh, hypersexual, but like docile Asian woman kind of came out like came came up and that kind of really took a hold in America. And Examples of these films were uh, The Good Women of Szechuan in the 1880s, really popular film Madam, Madam Butterfly in 1904, mm-hmm. Miss Saigon 1989. These are mm. all really prominent films that kind of cemented the notion of like that docile um, Asian woman. And it's, I don't know if you've watched Miss Saigon. Oh my gosh. Have you like... I- I cried the first time I watched it because that was the first time I had seen a well Vietnamese story be told so I it has a special place in my heart but I can also acknowledge that there are issues rooted in like the creation and the narrative around it I just I just personally love it because it's like you know the, my my ancestry my my heritage is weaved within there but like I also know that there are so many problems just in general, with yeah. all that. And for those of you who haven't watched Miss Saigon, um, it's it's basically it's basically this lady. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, no, yeah. She's she's 17 years old, and she's basically forced into prostitution in the red light district of Saigon, I do believe. And mm-hmm. um, she kind of she kind of falls in love 
and I say love quotes with this American soldier and um, they're in love but then he has to like go back and like their relationship ends and because her relationship ends she commits suicide uh, well, or, she it becomes pregnant with his child, right, right. but she has the child. He's not there, and it, like she, the, it becomes like a few years pass, and he he finds out that she had his kid. He comes back, and since she wants a better life for her son, she wants him to take the son back with him and his new wife to America. So he'll he'll have a better life like no yes and so because he's like i can't take your son away from you like that's very messed up we'll like send back money and she's like well if i can't have you and like have you love me back then i want you to at least care for our child like give him a better life than i can better than i can provide because she's still like um in the working in the strip clubs and because he refuses she does kill herself no. spoiler alert yes okay. that's that's the end plot there so it's like it's it's pretty rough it's like both sides it's like i see both but like also i hate that you know what that story reeks of <clears throat> white savior yes it it's i think it is based off of madam butterfly though miss saigon is um yeah. an adaptation like a a more modern adaptation of Madame Butterfly, but, like, the sentiment is still the same. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with that one, but, yeah. And it kind of goes to show how um, Asian women are kind of seen as, like, like, like quote, I, I say with air quotes, again, like, the side piece, you know? Because, like, again, with Miss Saigon, he, like, the soldier goes back to his, like, white wife. He goes back home and then gets married, like, yeah. after when he thinks, like, we're, he'll never see her again. But he did intend to bring her back to America. It just, they got separated but again, in like, the crowds, but yes. But, I mean, like, again, like, that kind of goes to show, like, the whole, like, white savior thing. And it's just, yep. there's so many problems with Miss, Miss Saigon. Like, as beautiful of a musical mm-hmm. it, is, it is, with um, the songs and, like, the writing, everything, There's there's definitely problematic aspects to that play and it definitely plays into the lotus blossom stereotype Mm -hmm. so um and what is the lotus blossom stereotype funny that you ask lizzie (laughs) the uh lotus blossom uh stereotype is the oh my oh my um it's kind of the i just lost where i was gonna go um it's kind of the the like Asian women are like sexually submissive, they're quiet, they're feminine, and they're often implied to be dumb. Right? Like it's just like they don't like they don't talk, but uh, it's it's just problematic. You the know? problem with that, like the dumb thing, because the stereotype is that all Asians are smart, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like all Asians are great as at STEM, like they're just whizzes, they're just naturally very smart and very like skilled. But like also with the dumb thing I feel like that's rooted in that foreignness because, like, the assumption is our first language is not English. And since we're, like, translating, we're translating to, like, from our language to English, it makes us, like, slower. But that's just, that's not true. That's not true at all. It's problematic because, like, that is such a high standard to have for someone who has all their life been accustomed to their their original language in their their hometown or whatever and then going to america and just being assumed like having that assumption thrown on you that you should know english is highly problematic for our elderly and our older generations or people who just uh, immigrate over to here it's so problematic because it's like that double standard of you have to be super smart but also you're dumb if you don't know english yeah, and I don't know if people know how hard it is to learn, learn another, language. another language. Also, English is insanely hard to learn. I had the privilege of growing up here, and I learned English at a young age. But when you immigrate, like, at an older age, like, my parents, they came here, like, in their 20s, you know? And it's it's hard learning a new language. It is. Just at 
that age because your mind like when you're younger yes. is way more flexible when you're so older. you can take in like new languages but when you come in and you've been speaking a language for like 20 years 30 years like no matter what age you come here it's hard learning a new language and i feel like that's what a lot of american people fail to recognize is that english is hard to learn and it's quite privileged to think that Anyone who comes to America should know English and should be fluent in English. It's so dangerous because, like, even as someone who's whose English is my first language, I know Vietnamese, but, like, English is definitely what I'm fluent in. Like, I still get mixed up on words and, like, pronunciation all the time. Like, I can't spell to save my life. <laughs> but, yeah, like... Even, even some Americans have worse English. Literally. Yeah, just grammar... Mm-hmm. Out the window. Out the window. And yeah. it, it's just so upsetting that all, that that also plays a part in, like, anti-Asian hate and, like, they, those hate crimes because when they target the elderly or older people, it most times they can't, like, speak English as fluently. And it's just so sad that they're targeting, like, the weak, the, the quote-unquote weaker. But, like, no matter who you attack, like, that's terrible. But, like, the just... a just targeting older people is just so sick to me in my brain Why, it's like, exactly and I, i've seen videos and photos mm-hmm. of like people posting like hey my grandma got beaten up by Why? this random person <laughs> Why, why would you beat up a grandma? Like, mm-hmm. what in your brain makes you, like, see an elderly person on yes. the street and be like, yeah, I'm going to go beat the crap out of them? Mm-hmm. And uh, cycling back to just language and language barriers and stuff, like, I feel like that <laughs> that has also played, like, in microaggression, too, because I know in my life I've gotten, like, looks when I'm speaking Vietnamese to my mom in, like, a grocery store sometimes. I, uh, my parents get comments because they work in a nail salon, and that is, like, very stereotypical for, like, Asian um, people working in a nail salon. So to communicate with each other in the fastest and most efficient way possible, they have to speak, like, Vietnamese to each other and also to their coworkers who speak even less English than they do because um, they're pretty good, but, like, their, their coworkers are a little bit older. And they get comments like, why? Why can't you just like say it in English? Like, are you talking about me? Like, the assumption is that they're always like talking smack about the like you, or that they they just like why why don't you just speak English? And it's it blows my mind. Right. If I wanted to talk smack about you, I'd talk it in English so you would understand. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Like I I understand because I'm bilingual as well, and I Mm -hmm. get I get weird looks whenever I talk to my parents. Uh, in Tamil, which is my native language, mm-hmm. and or people are like, oh, that just like that sounds weird, you know, or um, like I've gotten comments like uh, Indian people we typically eat with our hands, and so I've gotten comments like, oh, do you eat with your hands because you're poor? What? Yeah, and I'm are like, you serious? Yeah, and I'm like, no, no, I mean, absolutely not. We just had like Cancel better that. sanitation systems than you, but like okay, okay, just okay, started using Kevin. hand sanitizer this year. Yeah, all right. I I saw you not walk out of the bathroom without washing Literally. your hands. Okay, but no, no, no. You you tell me that yes. I'm poor for eating with my hands. Okay, and, I I see how it is. And that translate like going back to the media too. Like for so long, we were depicted as like not knowing English, and that's why we were like super smart and super skilled, but also dumb because you don't know english like what that doesn't make any sense i feel like that also translates into like the general woman stereotype of like women are supposed to be docile and they're supposed to be quote-unquote dumb like regardless of race right Mm -hmm. like if you look at just old-timey tv shows like back in the 50s and stuff oh yeah yeah like definitely like the women are like oh they're the homemaker they're like at home they're not supposed to speak out you know i feel like that's just been more emphasized Mm -hmm. with the asian women like with the lotus blossom stereotype right i think that's just been reinforced that like asian women are quote-unquote dumb docile don't know how to speak i think like that language thing has been just even more reinforced and re-emphasized with that general woman stereotype of like a woman is supposed to be docile and supposed to be silent and dumb and all of that i think that's just been reinforced you know but then on the flip side of the lotus blossom stereotype we have the ever famous dragon lady Mm -hmm. stereotype which again is that um 
it's that they they know like the three kind they know martial arts they can kick butt they seduce men for her own gain and they won't back down from what they perceive as like nerve-wracking like just this and also the moms too like that's the um stereotype for like dragon dragon lady mom like if a mom is tiger mom right yes tiger mom yes thank you i couldn't remember the phrase so i thought a dragon lady but yes the, i feel like they live in the same wheelhouse where it's like they're very aggressive they're very strict and very like you have to get a straight a's only a's like and everything but i feel like that's like hand in hand almost because they're both oh, yeah. aggressive and they're both like both like negative for sure depictions. and i mean like the lotus blossom and then the dragon lady are complete opposites you know because like with the dragon lady kind of trope kind of comes from the yellow terror or also known as like the yellow Peril, mm-hmm. it that basically originated in the 19th century, and it was kind of thought that like the quote other people in the East are scary, threatening, bad, mm-hmm. you know. So you've got like two sides to this whole thing. Like first yes. with the Lotus Blossom, you 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 have like these these docile, these sweet, these sexually submissive women, mm-hmm. and then you've got like the Dragon Lady, this like badass like um at, like ass whooping kind of lady you know um it's just like this dichotomy right like why can't asian women and asian people in media just be portrayed as normal literally like and this is just my opinion i don't know if this is fact but i'm pretty sure the assumption is you're gonna be submissive and docile and childlike or whatever and when you're not you're pegged as the dragon lady or you're expected to go from like this like submissive to like this powerful like it's honor and everything like i think that's what it is and that is so problematic because i feel like in with with white characters and white stories in film and tv they get to be everything like they they get to be the romantic they can be the hero the villain like they can do every side but like for for Asian Americans, like traditionally, we've been pushed to the token side character of the token, like quiet one, in the side, or like the like you said, the dragon lady who like saves the day for people, right? Kind of. I think the dragon lady also kind of ties into. Um, just like and we had we did do an episode on the coven about tropes of women in media and honestly when i was doing research for this episode i saw that like a lot of the tropes attached with asian women were also similar to just general tropes of women in media you know because for example you you've got like kill bill and you've got uh buffy the vampire slayer and these are all stereotypes of women that are like these um badass woman that like they 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 kick ass they take names whatever the phrase is um but they don't like they don't have emotions like they don't show their vulnerability they're just stone Mm. cold but then they're just they're just these badass women right Mm. but i think that also plays in with the dragon lady stereotype like these are women that are like these like like fear like fear inciting women but then Mm. like you've got that asian Stare like Asianness on top of yeah. it, and that's the problem. I feel like this is such an issue with Hollywood and everything, and that's what I'm hoping to like go into the industry and help like change that. I know that sounds like, uh, but like <laughs> I want that to change. That we cannot be just characters. We have to have we have to be influenced by like our Asian family or our heritage or our culture like that has to be a part of our stories every single time and even though it is like sometimes a small part or a big part of our our lives we are more than just that like why why is it always like the lotus blossom who's in the kimono and like like with the red lipstick why is it always the dragon lady who's in like the the jumpsuit with like a a, a flower in her hair you know the or, like chopsticks in or her chopsticks in her hair no. even worse and with the fan and stuff like beating people up with the fan why is it always why is it a fan right we... like or um what are those called like nunchucks nunchucks like why can't we just play like real people and be ourselves with like small influences and not be our whole story right like i love representation and obviously like well we take what we can get right now but that isn't 
part of everyone's like story like especially asian americans like who've grown up like in our generation i feel like it is a big part of our lives but it's not the only right only motivating part of our lives and it's frustrating <laughs> you know like you see representation in media is super important especially growing up i've talked about oh, this in a lot of my episodes about just not i i never really saw myself represented in media like i never really had a character where i was like hey that's me like mm-hmm. that's who i want to be i've i've seen characters where i'm like that's who i don't want to be <laughs> Yes. But I've never seen anyone that's like, yes, that's me. I, I like that person. Because I haven't had, like, any, for me, any Indian character is always that, like, nerdy, uh, I'm an engineer. Or, like, or, or with or, the or, accent. Oh, my God, not the, the accent. Awful accent. Not the accent. Or they're, like, um, they're, like, gas station workers. Or they're, um, they're convenience store owners. Or, like, for example, in uh, Big Bang Theory. Mm. I don't. I don't watch the show. Neither do I. But I've seen. Yeah, the you've clips. seen it, right? Like out of out of like the four quote unquote losers. Like they're they're all they're all losers. They're all nerds, whatever geeks, whatever, right? But why is it that like the Indian guy? Why is it that Raj is like the most loser out of all of them? And with the accent, right? And with the accent, <laughs> like seriously, what is up with the accent? Like, can Indian people not have an accent? Just I'm they Indian. Totally I totally can. Yeah, I'm <laughs> Indian. I totally don't have an accent. Why why can't this be? And literally the only time I saw myself represented was in the Netflix show with Mindy Kaling like Never Have I Ever. Mm-hmm. And a, that just came out like what? Last year? Last year? Years like a like 2 years ago That's maybe? That's too late. That's way too late, man. Like yes. I mean, and I'm glad that kids who are watching that now or who are growing up now are getting a lot more representation because man if i had seen never have i ever in like middle school or if i'd seen that in elementary school that Mm would have definitely made me feel a lot better yeah no that's so important to to bring up because that's actually a part of a part of my story and how I came to become an acting major because I wasn't originally going to be an acting major. Fun fact, I don't know how much exposition you want me to get into here, but um, I was actually, I, I applied and got accepted to Ball State as an elementary and special ed okay. double major because I've always loved like TV and film. Like in when I was younger, um, whenever I got out of school, I would go to my parents' meal store because obviously they both run it. So I cannot be home alone. I'm an only child. Um, so Me I, too. Yeah? Oh, my gosh. We have so much in common. Yay! So I would spend, like, every single day watching, like, Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. Like, it's a joke because I'm very nostalgic among my friends that I always bring up, like, things. And I always remember everything vividly. But it's because, like, that's what I grew up on. That raised me because when my parents were working, I'm in the back watching cable and recording stuff when it's on after I leave so I can watch it the next day. Like, that was my, like, routine for the longest time. So I am I always dreamed of being on Disney Channel or Nickelodeon. That was, like, my motivation. But then, like, growing like older and getting like more aware of things I started noticing like oh so all the the stars of the shows don't look like me like I have no chance because I don't want to be the nerdy girl with the glasses in the back like that's not what I want to be or the side character who comes in and gets bullied and whatever like I just didn't want that so I was I just gave up on it and then I got into theater a little bit in high school and I mean I never really had like a big role and that was okay I enjoyed my time there and it was super fun and then I had my first like lead role it was like pretty small but it was still like my first lead as a like a named character and that was like super cool um so on a whim I auditioned for the program here and I didn't think I was gonna get in so I was like you know what I'll audition if I don't get in, I'll never see them again. It's fine. And then I got on the waiting list. And then I was like blown away that I was on the priority waiting list because I was like, oh my gosh, this is farther than I thought I'd get. And then they offered me a spot like a few months later. And I was like, oh, okay. And I guess I have to seriously consider this because I didn't think I would make it here. Um, yeah, it's it's rough when growing up, like you don't see like you people like you portrayed in a in a nice way or like in the way you see yourself you know like Mulan obviously was such an iconic movie for little little girls especially Asian girls like myself 
like or East or Southwest Asian who kind of look more like Mulan. Right. Um, but at the same time, I didn't identify with Mulan was the problem. I wasn't like tough like her and like like moving swords around like that. I was like, I'm more into girly things. But the problem was every time people, I'd ask people like, oh, what princess do you think I am? Or like people would just say it out of nowhere. They'd always be like, oh my God, you're Mulan. Or oh my God, you look like Mulan. You know how many times in my life I've gotten you look like Mulan? It's it's really funny because I don't think I look like her. Trust me, I've gotten Jazz Princess Jasmine. Oh my so god, many she's times. not even. She's not even Indian. Literally, you guys, Jasmine is Arab. That Literally is a different, different race than <laughs> completely Indian, like than Indian people. We are like Indo Asian. Arab people, Middle Eastern, completely different race. And that's why it's, like, so upsetting growing up that they had this whole lineup, like, for every white girly in the world because they could be, like, Cinderella or Belle or Ariel or um, Rapunzel or anyone else. And then, like, for me, if I'm trying to dress up as one... You just had one. I only had one. Or if I dressed up as the, as the others, I always got a look or, like, a comment about it, like... Oh, oh my gosh, are you, oh, that's fun. It's, you know, yeah. it's like a dream. But then at the same time, I feel like that's why char- those Asian characters that I did see every so often, like, were so influential. And that's w- what's so powerful. Like, this is so random, but Brenda Song as London Tipton on Sweet Life was the first time I had seen an Asian character who wasn't like, getting straight A's and being the super smartest like know-it-all in the class and I was like okay well I feel so much better because then that feels like less pressure on me and I love her because she's so funny and fully rounded and she's fully fleshed out and I was like I love her I want to be her except you know I'm never gonna be as rich as her but like I want to be her (laughs) you know it's like it's it's a goal you can keep and I feel like that's that's something that people don't take into consideration is how important tv is and the characters that come on TV, it's so influential to pe- like kids growing up. And I'm so glad that kids nowadays are having more of that role model mm-hmm. to look up to. Because, w- again, like we never got those. And like what we grew up in, like the early 2000s, mm-hmm. we like I just like we just got like the stereotypical people. And then again, even with the, like even with those characters and just even in general, we saw people uh, culturally appropriating our outfits right which is something that i not the mm -hmm. yellow fishing or what is it called yellow yellow fishing yellow face yellow oh yellow face brown face yeah no yes when when white um actors and actresses played right asian characters that was so damaging that's not that's not right it's just and it's it's it surprises me that those films are still prized and and that they're like oh yeah this is like a culturally important film that is important and i'm like okay but it's also super culturally insensitive cuz you got mm-hmm. like marilyn uh marlon brando i think that's how you say his name he he dresses up in yellow face in some in of his films I, I'm not as familiar with him, but I've heard his name. I'm not quite sure. I it's not it's not at the top of my head. Uh, I also may be wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, Marilyn Bron- Brando. Um, but I just the name there. There's like several actors that have dressed up in yellowface, mm. and that just come like come into these films, and they're still or have been cast in or, a yeah. role that was originally meant for an Asian character exactly. or a character of Asian descent. Like yes, that has happened to one too many. It's, it's two three five too many times yeah way too many times and then like and even even with that like i'm thankful that in modern times that's not happening Mm -hmm. but it's also still a like it's it also still happens when white people or people of who are not of like asian descent they take the outfits uh that are culturally important to asian cultures like the kui pao or in uh, the vietnamese i'm gonna butcher this the ao dai Ow yai. Ow yes, yai. Okay, that means long dress. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, there there was an instance where country singer Casey Musgraves, she wore an ow yai. Right? Is that how you say it? Ow yai. Ow yai. Mm-hmm. Um, and but typically you're supposed to wear it with uh, leggings or like loose pants, right? Yes, and they're so comfortable. <laughs> yeah, it looks amazing. It looks super pretty. But she posted something on Instagram where she wore it. But she didn't wear any 
pants. Mm, and I didn't know that. Yeah, and I I saw this, and it's and she's clearly sexualizing this cultural outfit. And that, that plays into what we talked about earlier, the fetishization of Asian women when you you take our outfits and then you're like, yeah, but let's, let's just make, make it, it sexy, <laughs> right? Like, why why do you have to do that, man? Because I mean. Like, tell me, like, you t- typically wear those cultural outfits for special, special occasions. Right? Yes. I, I've worn them to weddings is mm-hmm. the most times I've ever worn them. Or um, temple. I, I don't, I'm not um, Buddhist, but I know that within, like, that um, religion, with that, they, they wear those to, to the temple. Yeah. So it's, like, saved for, like, a important special occasion should not be worn around like that. <laughs> right, exactly. And, I mean, uh, in Indian culture, like, we've got saris that are um, very culturally important that we wear to weddings that we just wear on a daily basis and, like, to the temples and stuff. And it really frustrates me when I see uh, non-Indian people make them into, like, a sexualized version. Obviously, I'm not going to complain if a white person wears a sari, you know, because like my my goal is to spread my culture. And if anyone has a question about Indian culture, just in general, like ask me and I don't mind answering those questions as long as it's respectful. But Mm -hmm. it really irritates me when people take like bindis, which is for those of you who don't know, it's the mark that a lot of Indian women place on their forehead, like in between their eyebrows. Mm -hmm. And they take that and they make it into a fashion statement. Like I'm pretty sure you guys have seen on Instagram, like people at Coachella, they'll wear like bindis like on their forehead and Mm. stuff. Like it's more of a fashion statement when in reality, bindis are actually a very important cultural and religious symbol as well for a lot of Hindu women. Mm. So when I like, when I see that and when I see certain aspects of my culture being used as like mainstream fashion or whatever the heck it frustrates me because I'm like, okay, I get that it looks cool, but why don't you look into the cultural importance and cultural significance into that before you go and you try to make a fashion statement out of it, you know? Absolutely. There's, like, and there's Halloween costumes um, of, of quote, sexy adult geisha girl Halloween costume, China doll Japanese concubine. And I say that verbatim based off of... the website? Yeah, based off of the website. And, like, legit... On my computer screen right now, there is this woman in, like, this weird baby doll dress. And she's got, like, the long, like, sleeves, you know, very similar to, like, a kimono. Mm -hmm. And um, her midriff is completely exposed. So it's, like, a two-piece, weirdly. The skirt stops, like, above her knees. Um, That's embarrassing. to (laughs) top it all off, of course, the cherry on top is the chopsticks stuck in her hair. Oh, God. Yep. Is that included in the outfit or is that her DIY? I don't know, but like in the image that is on my screen, to top it off, she's got two chopsticks stuck in her little bun thing oh and they're God. they're like sticking out like antenna. And I'm like, you do realize chopsticks are eating utensils <laughs> and cooking utensils. Like, like that would be like me sticking a fork in my hair and just being like, aha, fashion. <laughs> Like, I'm not, I'm not Ariel, right? Literally. And there's a big difference that I feel like a lot of um, people don't know between appreciation and appropriation and people like to confuse, or not like to, but like confuse the two and then can't really take accountability when they get it wrong. Yeah. That's the problem. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of people, when they get accused of appropriation, they're like, oh no, I'm just trying to embrace this culture or like I'm trying to elevate it or whatever excuse that has mm-hmm. been given by celebrities who have been accused by that. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, why don't you do your research? And I mean, I like I get that you want to uh, support this culture or whatever, whatever your intentions are. But why don't you do it in the right way? Why don't you donate to organizations that work to support and help and stop uh, hate? You know, like, there, there's an organization, AAPI, Stop Asian American Hate. Like, yes. and they, they do um, they, they do work in reporting these statistics on hate crimes against Asian Americans. They provide all the support. Well, celebrities, Kim Kardashian, uh, Casey Musgraves, whoever has done cultural appropriation, not coming to mind right now. Well, why don't you donate 
to these organizations Mm -hmm. why don't you spread awareness like you have this great platform yeah why don't you use that to speak up about these issues luckily i feel like um at least with our generation and i feel like in in um as a result of that like at least for influencer or celebrity people they are getting more aware of that and learning that difference and trying to spread more information and organization like information in that way more now than ever because they recognize those differences but then when you look back you also can see like when someone has done something like and said something hurtful in the past or have done something like you know but I feel like at least now we're getting better and people are actively trying to be more aware and be more helpful than hurtful you know do you think that more awareness is caused by these like hate crimes like and then the awareness that's coming out of these string of hate crimes that have been happening I think so I think it it starts with like I don't want to say Gen Z but I'm gonna say Gen Z adjacent (laughs) and Gen Z people are at least calling people out sometimes to a scary extent and kind of overdoing it you know with cancel culture and all that but I mean that's how like this awareness of other people I feel like has has like gotten more mainstream but that's better than like it not happening at all you know like I feel like we kind of just brushed past it for so long or like it's not that bad or it's like not that offensive I didn't mean to be offensive so it's not offensive you know for the longest time it's a joke just it's just a joke oh my god I have heard that so many times but like now I feel like and recently with the 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 recent events and and covid and everything and what's happened with that i feel like we're moving in a better direction that's more more aware and more conscious of that it's just sad that it takes people like being physically like assaulted or people literally dying to get there but i don't know it's 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 hard it's like a good and a bad you know yeah i'm sad that it's taken this long for this level of awareness to come about and you know again like i think we underestimate how much of influence the media has Mm -hmm. over the public opinion yeah you know and i just want to say like in in a report that i saw online um by uh stop aapi hate um with these hate crimes women actually made a higher share of these reports like 68 percent of these reports of hate crimes were made by women whereas men only made up 29 percent of these these reports you know so that kind of brings up the question um do this like do you think these stereotypes um are harmful to how asian women are seen and treated like do you think these stereotypes that are presented in media also kind of are correlated towards the rise in hate crimes? In my opinion, I feel like both Asian men and Asian women have some pretty terrible stereotypes to both of them. Like, unfortunately, like, yes, the submissiveness and, like, childlikeness is put on Asian women, but, like, being feminine is put on Asian men, too. Like, that's always been the joke for so long, so I feel for them in that sense. And they've been, like, brushed off as, like, non-masculine, not desirable, in quotes, like, for so long. And I even even believed that for a long time in my life, mostly because I didn't see a lot of Asian men anyway. But, like, I was convinced that, like, oh, Asian guys aren't cute. And that was the two nice thing for so long. And I feel so bad about it now because I definitely have seen my share of beautiful Asian men, you know, now. Right. You know, and I think that has to go back with uh, also K-pop. Yes. And, like, that the, just recently, like, blew up in America. Yeah, like, the big, uh, hi, like, hug you wave. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't um, But, you know, like, and again, with, um, for example, like, with BTS, mm. um, who made, like, a big explosion in the American scene. Like, when they first came came to america basically Mm -hmm. uh i saw a lot of comments on social media twitter all like all these places where they're like oh are they really men oh my god 
are they like are, and are that's the stereotype and that's a stereotype because it's like because a lot of k-pop idols they wear makeup Mm. so and it's like well men can't wear, wear okay, makeup but movie stars wear makeup too like yeah i'm telling you brad pitt does not look like that in real life probably. right <laughs> like you really think brad pitt doesn't have dark circles Love and him. doesn't have pimples Love great him. guy Appreciate but like him. do you really think like it's movie magic come on exactly right it's like a double standard because exactly. like they like the stereotype is that asians like look so young and their skin is so great and like it's they, not a lie Asians don't be raisin <laughs> i know we just age like a little bit a little bit slower than everyone else sometimes but then that also is another high standard that is put on us too so like every time i've had a pimple i know i freak the I freak out because a my mom comments on it and then b I'm like I can't get rid of it overnight and it's like stressful because that's like I feel like that's like a standard I have to uphold which is stupid but it's true yeah you know and um cycling back to like the men and women thing I also feel like it's put on men culturally i can't speak on this for like every single asian and um subcategory of like ethnicity for asian men but like i at least know that we are taught to like not say anything unless it's like you're dying like don't cause a fuss don't cause a stir that's what we're taught and that has also been implemented into the media as a part of our stereotype too so we don't usually speak up unfortunately but yeah, it's like the the men are seen as not masculine, but then at home they're also being told this the same thing as if you you say something, you talk about mental health, you you speak out about anything, you're also not masculine. So it's like a terrible double standard for the men. And then for the women, it's like don't cause a scene, don't cause a fuss, but also we're seen as like powerless, defenseless and like easy targets and like weak. Right. it's like or, all bad things or then you're seen as like the dragon lady literally it's all bad things happening yeah it's just only like you're either or and that's just the bad thing about stereotypes is that you can't just be normal you can't just be a person you either have to be this martial arts machine mm-hmm. or you have to be this lotus blossom Ugh, just <laughs> i i felt like the bile rising in my throat as i said that oh so god gross. lotus blossom just why yes. just and i definitely like feel for you especially because i know indian and indian american representation is so 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 behind like yeah in our program at ball state like for performance theater and dance i know i am one of two fully full asian women east slash southeast asian women in the whole program of like 500 over 500 people oh my God. i can't remember but like yes so it feels very like lonely but i'm the only acting i'm the only performance major or whoa acting uh, major who is fully asian the other one is dance right now and she's about to graduate so by next year i might be the only one and that's that's a little scary luckily i have other people who are half asian who are in the department but not a lot it's like i can count them on my two hands yeah. right now and i can't imagine how rough that is for you like i like to joke that uh i'm one of five asian or one of five indian people in muncie um <laughs> i mean I, you might not be wrong i leg- legit i've i've i remember coming here my freshman year and i was just like oh my god there is really no indian people here because one of the reasons why I came to Ball State was to kind of escape the Indian community and oh, like really? yeah and to escape that like Asian pressure you know of like do well in academics because that's kind of what I grew up in like back home I kind of grew up with like a j- bunch of Indian people who placed way too much importance and on academics and doing well and it just became this very suffocating place to be and i didn't want to go to any of like the local colleges uh because i'm from st louis and because i knew that there would be people from my community from there and i'd just be seeing like the same people over and over again and i'd just be stuck in that toxic environment so i was like you know what i'm out so i came to indiana great place random (laughs) Um, totally totally random but then like i remember coming to ball state and i was like ah finally i'm free and then i got this panic i was like oh my god but there's like no indian people you know because i thought they'd be like a couple you know Mm -hmm. walking around like i thought there'd be like 
a couple Asian people, a couple Indian people, mm-hmm. you know, but there was none. It's scarce. It's scary. It was really scary, you know, and I, I realized how important it was to have representation. And have a community. And have a community, right? Like, it's, it's important. And I mean... Again, I love my white friends. I love. Oh yeah, and this is nothing against them. Nothing, it's nothing just like against us. Them. Yeah, <laughs> it's just thing. nothing against my against my white friends, my black friends, just anyone. Um, but there are some things that you can just bond with in culture. Yeah, you know, it's abs- That's absolutely correct. And for me, it's a little bit of a different story. I grew up um, in a predominantly white space with like Asian like little tiny Asian communities nearby so I I, that wasn't like overwhelming for me but I'm just used to being in all white space you know so that was what I was used to and I was comfortable with I was comfortable with being uncomfortable that was the whole issue like I'm so used to being the only one or one out of two in the room so anytime I went to like a predominantly Asian place like I went to California a few times with my family and we we went to like um like uh, Chinatowns and like places that have a bigger Asian and Asian American community and I felt kind of uncomfortable there which was weird because I was I felt like I should be there but then at the same time I always felt like I got a weird look or something so I never felt like fully like like Asian but also I never felt like I fit in with people I thought I like right could fully relate to and when I came here I was like well I'm just used to this again so it's not really that big a deal like I feel like I stick out but I'm like I'm used to it and now now that I'm like more in tune with like my cultural identity since I this didn't start happening until like this year I want to say like junior year of college I didn't really accept and embrace my my asian background and and myself in that way and now i like it it, it, it's hit me different because i'm like i feel kind of lonely sometimes but then i also at least have the few the few other asian students who are in the program who who kind of get it like they definitely kind of get it and i mean like even though we're not of the same ethnicity we have that like shared uh immigrant experience um just growing up with immigrant parents you know and just we have that general asian experience that like connects us to each other you know like and that's really nice it's it's really nice and i honestly don't really get that with with a lot of people and i mean again like i have a lot of white friends and i have a lot of different ethnicity friends and they are totally completely understanding and they love learning about my culture Mm -hmm. but you know it just doesn't like to it only works to an extent you know right it hits different it hits different yeah it hits different when you're with someone who like gets you with your experience and like it's just like meeting someone from your hometown like yeah when you meet a random stranger and they're both like they're like they say exactly where you're from it's like oh my god do you remember that that and that and like have you ever been to that that and that it's like this same feeling of when you're like talking to someone has the same like background as you or like similar right it's different it hits different it it really (laughs) does it really does hit different um but you know do you have like any other stereotypes like any last things that you'd like to say because it's been a day it's been it's been quite the year actually what we're like four year four months three months into it's almost april that's wild. That's wild. It's it's been almost three months since twenty twenty one started, and this year has been such a difficult year, especially for Asian Americans. You got any thoughts, opinions, closing thoughts? You know. Oh well, you started off with the question about the stereotypes. And yeah. Then you kind of went into this. I line. kind of did divert myself because <laughs> it's been a long day. Man. It really has. Um. Well, do you want me to comment on this? Yeah, go for one? it. Um, I think just like the super smart, brainy, nerdy one is one I personally have actively tried to fight against in in a very dangerous and harmful way to myself. Like I used to act dumber than I was in high school to combat that so I wasn't seen as nerdy, which now I actively regret like it's very embarrassing to think about but at least like that was more of a freshman year thing I was acting dumber than I actually was um but that and just the the, like I touched on earlier 
having our culture be the driving force in every single one of the Asian stories being told is just very like it's tiring. we get it we're Asian like <laughs> let it go and then um the I want to I wanted to bring this up I love this movie and I love the representation that it had in American culture but crazy rich Asians yes. and the stereotype that all Asians are rich and like crazy rich and like frugal and 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 like that that's also very very it's harmful dangerous. yeah mm-hmm. um i i do i do empathize with that fact because um uh there is a stereotype that like a lot of a lot of indian people own gold mm. gold jewelry and while that is a fact um I, I do I do get like sometimes for like special occasions like I do I'm gifted with like gold jewelry and stuff and so As they do. yeah I mean like hey but it's like for special occasions it's not like, it's like every day it's not like every day or like every birthday I'm like my my family's like oh here take a block of gold no that's not that's I didn't even know that was a stereotype so that's kind of weird it's, it's a stereotype but it's interesting because um so a lot of a lot of Indian people we there's there's a thing um, on our doors like like a string of leaves it's like a Hindu cultural thing um, it, it, it's like it's it's of some religious cultural importance I'm not quite sure what it's for and so um, typically a lot of Indian people that we have that like on our doors and we actually were told to take that off our doors because that was actually a marker for people so like a lot of people had like break-ins because of that because like that identified that like an indian family lived there so if an indian family lived there they had gold that Mm. you could steal that's so problematic yeah it is and this was like this is something that like i heard when i was living in my old neighborhood so my mom we had to take off our um our decoration like on our door like you know people have reeds but we just had that um like string of leaves like as a as a decoration you know um and so we had to take that off so we wouldn't identify as indian you know and that's it's it's hurtful because you have to kind of like you have to erase your identity to be safe like so you're not a target you know Literally, like you can't to you fit can't, in yeah to fit in you can't you can't be proud it made me feel like i couldn't be proudly indian mm-hmm. without putting a target on my back yes yeah that, that's absolutely right i don't know it's it's like we have to be more like them them as in like white culture and and white people to survive because they are the majority here but at the same time we we never will because they'll always see us as different especially when you're so obviously like look you look different your eyes look different your your skin tone looks different like no matter what it is we'll always be different but we're trying so hard to like fit in and it's like again we're culturally impossible right that's the thing, like, I totally agree with you, like, yeah, I have dark skin, I have different hair, I have different eyes, mm-hmm. you know, like, I have different features, but co- if you talk to me, I'm the same as you, yes. I'm American, I grew up in the Midwest, you know, like, I grew, like, I ran through fields of corn, whatever, whatever that Midwest stereotype is, you know, mm-hmm. like, I have, I, I grew up American, I grew up watching Disney Channel, I grew up watching Cartoon Network, if you talk to me, I am the same as you, but if you look at me, just from afar, you will think of they all think those stereotypes, different. right? Yes. I think the best way to break that stereotype down is to go talk to people, yes. don't make assumptions, talk to people. And support, like, like um, the BIPOC artists and stuff, and the stories they're telling, like, it... it because obviously the people at the the top aren't as much as we've seen like with award shows and everything it was this year that it was the first time an asian person was nominated for best actor i think really yeah it was um i can't remember his last name but steven for minari oh yeah Yeah, actually and also there was someone else too i can't remember his name i can't remember but i do remember that that minari had a controversy like they weren't they were put in like the foreign language category yes that's what it was yes that was the controversy which really angered literally an american story it's like the most american story that you can get asian american yeah. yeah but i mean like 
just because they're asian just because they're asian and just because like i think it was like 50 more than like 50 percent of the dialogue was in korean yeah or something and then they got put in like the foreign language category and i'm like dude it's literally like such an american story yes like i've I've seen that argument where there are other movies only when they're eurocentric like can they be considered like a, a regular film like i can't remember what it's called but inglorious something glorious bastards yes isn't that like in another language or something i am not quite sure i don't think i've watched that movie well i know with like other movies when they sent her when they have other like german language or like something like that involved they they are praised for being like amazing and like a great american like film but then with like this as an example minari is categorized as a foreign even though it is an american story they're asian american and that goes back to say that no matter how much Asian Americans try, we will always be seen as the outsiders. Yes. I mean, I feel like we're going in a better direction, though. I'm so thankful for movies like To All the Boys. I've loved before. Yeah. That's the first time I've seen like a, a story like, like an Asian. It's not about her being Asian. It's just right. her in a rom-com. Yeah, she's. Just, it's just a normal female. And then, even, like you said, Never Have I Never Yeah, have Never I Have I Ever. Like, normal south indian female yes they can be normal and the half of it i've heard the half of it is really good but i haven't watched it it's on netflix it is yeah i think season two is coming out which i'm kind of excited for oh is it is it not a movie it's a series yeah it's a series which is is quite nice you know and like the um main character she's also i i do believe she's Tamil, which is uh, she's south indian and i'm also south indian and i was so pumped for that because mm. i mean yeah sure you get like indian characters but a lot of india is so diverse so like north india is so culturally different than south india and i was just very excited to finally have like south indian representation and there was like references and lines that i could understand and i was like yo i've never felt this before literally it's it's a different feeling i've had like i had like seven people that were like that called me or they texted me and they're like hey you should go watch never have i ever because the main character reminds me of you oh like and i and that like that was my mom watched it she was like sure this character reminds me of you my cousins like they were like dude you have to watch it and she's just like a regular teenager, she's just a regular yeah. teenager growing up in america and like that's basically me. Yeah. I'm an Indian teenager. We can be normal, like, people without, like, our Asian heritage influencing every choice we make. Yeah. And I'm so glad that that's the direction, like, we are finally headed towards, you know? Mm-hmm. We just got to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was another episode of The Coven. So joining me today was... Lizzie Wynn. And I am your host, Shweta Sundarajan. Thank you, everyone. Happy Women's History Month. And tune in next week for a brand new episode. Bye, guys. Bye.